Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Pentcast. I am your host, James, and today we are going over the episode Game of Groans. So it opens on a cake, which is then burst through by a bunch of roaches, but it's on a TV and it's just a reminder that Russell, Sunil, and Vinny are watching the Insect Channel, making viewers itchy since 2005. Funnily enough, this episode aired in 2015, so if time flows normally in this universe, they might be celebrating their 10th anniversary. They have the cake. Maybe. That might be all the proof I need to say how time flows, although it is weird still, especially with season three being aired out of order or put up on Netflix out of order, depending on how you want to look at it. I say aired out of order. That is my thing and I will stand by it. Okay. So either way, time flows normally, I guess, maybe. So Sunil is itching because of the insects. But then an ad comes on for the Renaissance Fair, once again being held in downtown City Park, which looks a lot like Central Park, and I did a lot of research on this because this does not contradict my claim that uh, downtown city is like was once Manhattan because Central Park is in Manhattan. And so is Fifth Avenue, but they changed the name of Central Park to Downtown City Park, but they didn't change Fifth Avenue to a different thing, maybe because it's easier. And I guess, like, Central Park is bigger than Fifth Avenue, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. The point is, my evidence stands. So... There we go. We've already covered timelines and maps in this episode. So that's probably a new record for how fast I got that done. So Russell seems excited about the Renaissance Fair. And the jester advertising this says that there's also a giant tofu turkey leg that they're selling called the Royal Henry, which entices... Vinny and Sunil, and Vinny so much so that he begins licking the screen, and then Sunil's like, Vinny, and Vinny's like, I'm licking the screen again, aren't I? Which is which is a nice little joke, but let's talk about something else <laughs> quick. Oh, wow, we are... This, this is going to be some episode, because I have a lot of, like, distractions. <laughs> At least from what I remember from taking notes. So, this is one of the things that makes me think Season 4 did like a little soft reset. Because it wasn't much of a problem before uh, for them to mention eating meat. I guess they're actually doing it now. But Vinny has been trying to eat flat. And we've seen him, like, eat, like fly like stuff like whenever like Blythe is pouring out food 
everyone else has kibble, but like Minnie has this like fly looking thing. So I don't know. It's weird. It's just it's just a little detail that like makes me think that like I don't know. There, there's some sort of like change, some sort of like new Bible written through like for season four and maybe season five if they ever made it to that but as you know they didn't (laughs) anyway russell really wants to go but he assumes pets aren't allowed but the gesture on the tv says that pets are allowed and russell says he wants to go and Vinny and sunil are also in because they want those royal henry's And now it's just a matter of figuring out who to accompany them. And Russell says that he knows the right maiden for this quest. And then the intro happens. So then now we go to Blythe uh, riding her scooter with the pets. And Young Me's there as well. And Blythe thanks Young Me for coming along to the Ren Fair. She says that the pets convinced her she'll love it, and she knows Young Me will love it too. Young Me then asks, Have I ever told you about my inexplicable fear of jester hats? Blythe says, No, but how could you hate them? They're so jingly, and Young Me shudders. I would like to point out that both Young Me and Blythe are dressed for the fair appropriately, so it's a little late to bring this up. It's a little late to bring this up, but whatever, we'll roll with it. So Russell then imagines his ideal medieval or medieval fantasy. And like medieval is like the British way of pronouncing it. Whereas like Americans say medieval for whatever reason, but it's spelled medieval. It's like, I don't, like, how? I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm with the British on this one. Like, normally I'm not. Like, like, all all of those U's can, like, can go away. No one needs those U's. And, like, the R-E, that's dumb, too. And, like, I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. But this is one where it actually just kind of makes sense. Yeah, but that's not my only issue. So, I've never really understood this. But, like, why is it called a Renaissance Fair if a lot of the theming is medieval? Because those are those are two distinct time periods. There's like the medieval times or medieval times. Uh, now I'm, uh, man, that that is really tripping me up. The, the medieval times, like medieval on its own, sounds better, but medieval times sounds better, like with medieval than following times. It's okay, but no, back back to my point. Back to my other point. 
It's called a Renaissance Fair, but a lot of it is medieval-inspired. I'm just going to use them interchangeably. And those are two distinct time periods. It's like if you held a Victorian fair, but you dressed up as, like, from the Enlightenment period. Those are two different periods of time. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm actually going to just cut to a different set of, uh, like, notes. Where, uh, da-da-da-da-da... Where is that? Hold on. Okay, found it, found it, found it. So, like, I got so frustrated through this that I looked up, like, Renaissance Fair, and upon seeing pictures, uh, it reminds me of Hunchback of Notre Dame, which makes sense, and I would distinctly put that in the Renaissance. And, I don't know, that that makes sense. Although, Wikipedia refers to the Renaissance as being part of medieval times, which I disagree with. Although, maybe people will say it's part of the medieval times. But, I will disagree with that. I have strayed from logic before on stuff I'm right on. Like, it's just, it's just one of those things. I don't think the Renaissance is part of the medieval times. The Renaissance came after the medieval times because it's a whole thing of, like, art and culture and history that, like, makes it distinct from the medieval times. And it's this whole thing, like, like, I get, like, I guess you could call it, like, a Renaissance slash medieval fair... And, like, Wikipedia says that they, like, combine the two anyway and sometimes combine stuff from, like, later, like, with, like, pirates in the Age of Exploration. (sighs) Oh, boy. There is... This is a thing. Oh, boy. Editing this is going to be so much fun. So much fun. Okay. Let's let's get back. I will just point out stuff I think is and is not Renaissance. Just throughout the remainder of the episode. Kind of, maybe. I don't know. It's It's weird. This whole... Like, the term Renaissance Fair is weird to me. Well, not the term. But everything that comes with it. It's just... I think it's a distinct enough time period in and of itself so that, like, it should not be included with, like, medieval times. Uh, This whole word thing is throwing me through a loop. But whatever. So, Russell imagines his medieval fantasy... Which is him riding a steed with fair maiden Penny, who is thanking him for rescuing her from a dragon. And we see a dragon that is all tied up. Sir Hedge, as he is called, thanks her 
for the compliments and says it's all about helping the helpless, empowering the powerless, and saving the... And then he kind of trails off, but Penny finishes with saveless, and Russell says, that'll work. And then, riding on an ostrich, comes Sir Hedge's compatriots, Duke of Senil and Baron von Vincent. Lady Penny wishes them a good morrow, and Russell agrees. Apparently, morrow is an old English word for morning? And not as I had originally thought, tomorrow. Although maybe that's where that comes from. But either way, language is weird and fun. So, Russell then is off to save more wretches in peril. No offense. And Penny isn't offended because this is Russell fantasy. Russell, you really gotta... You gotta really work on your perceptions of women. But then Russell's fantasy ends. Vinny tells Sunil that he can't wait to taste those royal Henrys. And he even starved himself for the occasion. Sunil agrees and he asks Russell about it. And Russell says, Verily, Duke of Sunil. Sunil asks, Did he just call me Duke? And Vinny says, I thought he called you Verily. (laughs) Which is a nice little joke. Blythe tells everyone that we're here. And then she takes off her helmet to reveal a princess cone hat that was just scrunched down, but then pops up. And Blythe admires all of the costumes around, and young me is on edge about jester hats. A jester shows up to greet them, and he asks for their names. Blythe says that she is Lady Blythe. Young me says that she is Lady Not Staying Here, and backs up into a black knight... Again, a little late, but Young Me changes her mind once the knight intimidates her a little bit. So as the group tries to enter, the jester and two black knights now at the entrance block them, calling them by their names, so Blythe is Lady Blythe and Young Me is Lady Not Staying Here, and uh, tells them that they can't enter quite yet. Young Me asks if he can take off his hat, and the jester complies, but then he takes off his hat and his hair is in the shape of the jester hat and the bells are attached to his hair and this only serves to freak young me out but it is hilarious. (laughs) So, Blaith then asks uh, what's up and the jester says that pets can't enter. Blaith says the commercial said that they could and the jester explains that they're only permitted in ye old pet zone. We pan to it and see that it's bleak. Two of the pets aren't even wearing era-appropriate clothing. Like, whether it be Renaissance or medieval. I need to really give up on pausing before saying medieval. That is... That is a weird, weird word. To describe, like... a, You know what? Fantasy. Just... I'm just going to call it generic fantasy from now on. Just just to, like, clear things up. Fantasy, it, it goes like, I don't know, Roman, fantasy, renaissance. That's European history. Okay. So, no one's wearing either fantasy clothes or renaissance clothes. 
out of the two I, I speak, one looks like he's from the aforementioned Enlightenment era, and one has a hat that looks like it belongs in an Old West saloon. One pet is decked out in fantasy clothes, which is fine. Even though it's a Renaissance fair, they're just lumping it in with fantasy. But whatever, we'll roll with it. So, the jester says it's time for them to go to Yield Pet Zone, which Yield is more of a fantasy thing than it is a Renaissance thing. Just, just to be clear. And he takes out a flute and starts playing like he's the Pied Piper. Also a fantasy thing. Vinny asks if we are supposed to follow him, and Sunil unenthusiastically says yes, and the three walk to the area. Blythe promises to bring them back some royal Henrys. So, the pets are chilling in the pet area, and Russell tries to see the bright side of things, and Vinny isn't really having it. Sunil says that Blythe will be back soon, so maybe we could have some fun. And then someone says, did I hear someone say fun? And we pan up to see like a dog on a spire. And he introduces himself as Shakespeare once he gets down. He is era appropriate to the Renaissance and I guess to a Ren Fair, even though this Ren Fair seems more fantasy in some aspects, which I will kind of get to later. Mainly, well, I mean, Blythe and Young Nee's outfits look more fantasy than they do Renaissance. Because it's like the whole princessy thing. It's, oh boy. I am, I am deep, deep in semantics at this point. So, Shakespeare says he's an actor. And he lists off his credentials. And he says that they might have seen him in the Shakespeare in the Dog Park production of Othello, where he played fellow. Not even Othello. Fellow. Also, this dog just... I, I don't want to say what race a dog is. Uh, yeah, oh, hold on. Oh, dear. No, wait, no, I'm not... Should have, uh... Should have paused it to take a look, but... Th this episode has a lot in it, and I kind of forgot Shakespeare after a while. So I didn't think to pause, but maybe... Uh, it's this whole thing. But in Othello, Othello is supposed to be black or at least not white because he's the Moor of Venice and Moors are like you know a Muslim from like Africa or the southern area of the Mediterranean around that area the, the Moorish conquest like the, the Moors took control of Spain at one point but then uh, European powers conquered Spain back for Spain instead of the Moors. It's this whole thing, but this dog sounds white and maybe shouldn't be playing Othello. But 
I doubt that this is the first white person to play Othello. Maybe. Uh, wow. Wow, I am just... I am... This is this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I hope you are enjoying this, because I can see why you wouldn't. So, Sunil sarcastically says... I missed it, and Vinny wins him up by saying, I didn't miss it at all. Shakespeare said that the critics say he chewed up the scenery. It was delicious. I'm guessing he's not that smart, because chewing the scenery isn't usually a point of praise. But I guess Shakespeare is in his own head about this. Vinny points to a concession stand in Ye Olde Pet Zone, which is weird, because, like, shouldn't you feed the pets for free? Also, what are they going to buy things with? I guess it's just a concession stand for the sake of being a stand, and it is free? But still. And says that maybe we should get some snacks while waiting on some Royal Henrys. Also, the stand is managed by a dog and let lane lane. Ah, I hate this word. Words suck. No, words are awesome, but words also suck. Words are awesome and suck. Ah, in lederhosen. I hate that word because I've always heard it as lanerhosen with an N and not a D. For un, until like two years ago when I started this podcast and like I also had to describe Laner Hosen later God ugh. words words are complicated and it's just you know what I mean when I say Laner Hosen there is no ambiguity as to what I would mean I don't think oh dear this I really, I thank you for making it through all of this. Because this is some, um, uh, this is something else. Uh, I, I wonder how much I am going to cut out. Because, like, I don't know, ed- editing, behind the scenes editing thing. I don't really, like, cut out that much. Like, I cut out some of the silences. I cut out, like, flubs. I cut out, uh, like, I don't know, like, a few things here and there. If I can say it better. I don't really cut out, like, a lot of these rambly things. Although you could probably guess that if you've reached this point from episode one. Where... I am prone to going on a lot of tangents, but this these tangents seem special. These tangents just seem to be like a whole, a whole mythical version of itself. It's really, really dumb. But I do say later Hosen is not necessarily Renaissance. It might be. I don't know. It's hard to say because 
It it Lederhosen feels newer than you think it is. I don't know. It's uh, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna look up when it uh there does not appear to be a year. Dropped sharply in the. It just doesn't seem to have a date on Wikipedia. So maybe. Uh, I. Let's get back to the episode. So. Young me tells Blythe that she's actually enjoying herself as long as she doesn't focus on the you-know-what. Young me wants to take a selfie to remember this moment, and Blythe goes for it, but a black knight takes the phone. Young me asks for the phone back because she's not due for an upgrade yet, and the knight says that instruments of Merlin are not permitted. Which is fantasy. Not Renaissance. Like, Arthurian legend is strictly rooted in fantasy. And not Renaissance. So, Blythe picks up on what's going on and asks in that kind of yield speech for the instrument of Merlin. And promises not to use it for black magic. The girls flash baby doll eyes and the knight gives it back to them. Young Me compliments Blythe, and Blythe says that she has a way with knights. So, Vinny reads the sign on the kibble that says, like, ye olde kibble, and asks if it's called ye olde for effect. The dog says no, it's actually really old. And Vinny passes, which is the second time old pet food is used for a joke. But... It has been previously stated in the show that pet food can last for hundreds of years. Soft reset. Soft reset. There. That's a that's a that's a tangent not related to semantics. Back on track. Russell says that this might be the pet area, but he's tired of it. He rallies Sunil and Vinny to sneak into the real Ren Fair for midi for fantasy fun. Fantasy fun. I'm using that word. That word's easier to say and think. So, they are hiding behind a barrel, and Vinny asks why, and Russell explains it's so that the guard doesn't see us sneak over the wall. Sunil points out that it's just a broken fence, and Vinny points out that they're just, like, huge sections of the fence that aren't even there. Uh, Russell uh, goes into his fantasy and, like, charges and jumps over the fence... While Vinny and Sunil just walk out the gate saying security is terrible and that it was harder to get in, Russell's nose catches wind of something, and Vinny and Sunil also catch it. Royal Henry's. They rush over to it. Meanwhile, Young Me is holding a wet sponge, and there's a guy sitting with a target behind him, and he's making faces at her, and Young Me throws it and hits him, and, like, the force of Young Me's throw just, like, like, when the sponge hits him, like, he falls back and through the target. And Young Me celebrates. 
saying that she is soaketh the bloketh. Blythe says she's really getting into this. And Young Lee says that if she keeps herself busy, she won't think so much about the terrifying toppers. She sees one and uh, freezes. Blythe says, if I had known about the severity of your condition, I wouldn't have brought you here. But Young Me says, like, it's time she conquers her fears. And then there's a whole line of people in Jester Hats. I think. So that could have, like, they should have established that bit earlier. Because up until then, it really seems like Young Me didn't want to go, but is going anyway. Maybe it's because, like, Blythe is lonely and stuff. Like, no one else wanted to go with her. Like, young me may have been the only one who went trick-or-treating with her. Maybe it's the same logic here. But then that puts the whole thing in the timeline thing I mentioned earlier. Because, like, the last episode, Lilith's Pet Shop of Horrors, came out, like, almost a month after Halloween ended. And, I don't know, maybe time doesn't flow maybe it doesn't doesn't it's this weird nebulous state of time flow oh boy so Blythe then comforts her friend's fears by saying that they should go check out the medieval garb booth for medieval garb okay she says medieval okay you know what I have medieval in my notes so much I'm just going to say medieval, medieval, or fantasy. There, that that should do it. Okay, so a concert is taking place, and the announcer, using a permitted tool of Merlin, I guess, uh, Whatever, we're we're just going to roll with it. I guess the people running are allowed to have tools of Merlin, but the people at the thing aren't, or are, as long as they promise not to use black magic with it. Whatever. And the announcer announces the musical stylings of the Midnight Looters. Meanwhile, another bloke gets soaked, but not smashed through the target. There's also a guy dressed as a jester... On stilts, who keeps falling over, which, again, very Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is fairly Renaissance. So Young Me takes a look at the stage and thinks that the guy playing the lute in a band called The Looters is Josh Sharp. Blythe takes a look, but her vision is obscured, and she rationalizes that it couldn't be him because he's too cool for this. She then worries about what Josh would think of her if she saw her like this, and she offers to go soak some more blokes. They high-five, which, uh, like, meanwhile, a guy is walking over balancing pins. So they knock over the pins and the guy on stilts. So there's, like, we're, like, halfway through the episode at this point, And there's no real story yet. It's just them at a renaissance fair, which is interesting. But there's no story. I guess that's why I'm more prone to, like, tangents here. Just to find something to talk about. Because it's just them at a Ren Fair. There's no, like, 
stakes or tension. They've just introduced a vague concept of stakes with Blythe and Josh Sharp. And we're going to get some more stakes a little later as Vinny, Sunil, and Russell find decidedly not stakes, but Royal Henry's, or at least try to. So they come across a stand, but the stand is closed. Russell hypothesizes that there has to be an open stand around here somewhere. And then Vinny leads them on a chase. So it cuts like back and forth from like real chase to a map chase. Where we see them represented on the map with like little uh, like dot dashes on where they go. And they do some really good stuff like with like the map and and the lack of map it's really funny it's a bunch of like visual humor and it's a little hard to describe in an audio medium but i don't know some of the non-map stuff i can say is uh like there's a point where uh they're dodging people literally throwing axes literal axe like that's that's a liability at best so they swing on a flag, roll barrels. But, like, the best bit of comedy, I think, is, like, when they're riding a horse and then the horse suddenly stops and, like, throws them off the horse. And we see them fly, but we see it map style. And it's just, like, the series of dashes that just, like, flies really fast and then crashes into something. And then we see them on the wall. It's amazing, and I love it. So, after all of that, Vinny is outraged because they could not find a single Royal Henry. Sunil so says that they aren't back in Yield, the pet zone at least. But then a Black Knight finds them and then takes them back to Yield, the pet zone. So, they hear a whisper saying that they're looking for some Royal Henrys. The pets recognize this voice. And they turn, and it's Shivers from Blythe's Pet Project. Shivers. Except he's dressed sort of like Robin Hood, which again is more fantasy than it is Renaissance. It's strictly fantasy, I would say. But whatever. We're going with it. Shivers silences them and says that Lord Twig has scouts everywhere. Russell wants to inquire further, but Shivers asks him to just follow for now. So, now we get a plot. A, a plot with all of the missing Royal Henrys and a reason for that. We, we finally get a plot like 13 minutes in. So, the announcer says that the Midnight Looters will be venturing through the fair... And that tipping is appreciated. <laughs> Meanwhile, Blythe is trying to fire a plunger arrow. A plunger arrow, but they have real axes. What the heck? When she's interrupted by Young Me. And Young Me says that a soothsayer has said there will be a surprise in their future. Blythe wonders what that could be. And Young Me turns, sees the Midnight Looters, and points to the only looter in the actual group who is indeed Josh Sharp. Young Me says that that soothsayer is good. Blythe freaks out 
and wants to leave the park because Josh Sharp is there and she doesn't want to be seen by Josh Sharp and her princess get up. So, meanwhile, Shivers leads the group of pets out to the park and then they ask what's going on. Shivers says that he looks forward to the Ren Fair every year, but not as of recently. So, again, nebulous state of time passage. I guess that's what we're landing on now. So, all of the animals in the area, according to Shivers, are being controlled by an evil beaver by the name of Lord Twig. When Russell says the name again, Shivers says not say it. So, Shivers continues by saying that uh, he gets all of the, that Lord Twig gets all of the other animals to steal all of the Royal Henrys and give them to him, which is a huge, huge conspiracy. How do the humans overlook, like, a group of animals stealing all of the Royal Henrys? All of them! Vinny calls him a monster, and there's a bit in the episode that I've kind of been ignoring, but it's hard to ignore in this uh, scene where Vinny talks to his stomach every time his stomach growls back and uh, stuff like that. Like, Vinny calls him a monster, stomach, and then Vinny says, yeah, a monster, I just said that, or whatever. It's fine as a joke, I guess. So Russell cannot let this stand. He goes into his fantasy uh, voice and his persona of Sir Hedge and promises Shivers that he and his Knights of the Round pet dish will stop Lord Twig. Sunil and Vinny are a little confused, but they'll roll with it. Russell asks Shivers to lead him to Lord Twig, and Shivers does. He also picks up two nutshells, and he does the, like, Monty Python thing. I'm trying to do that with my fist, but I don't think the mic is picking it up. There we go. It's just against the knuckles, which I don't I don't recommend you doing for an extended period of time because that that stung for like the few seconds I was doing it, but whatever. So uh Vinny and Sunil follow and Vinny talks to his stomach more because he hasn't eaten all day. He tells his stomach to get off his back or his stomach, rather. Again, a nice little joke. So, uh, at the Ren Fair, Blythe is trying to leave, and Young Me asks to hold up. Blythe sees the Midnight Looters. Again, this is another name that bothers me in this episode, because there's only one looter in a band called the Looters. Like, it's weird. And says, you've got to be kidding me. She thinks that if Josh sees her like this, he won't think she's the girl of his dreams. Young Me rightly points out that Josh is here wearing green tights, he looks like Robin Hood, and playing the lute. And Blythe relaxes because Young Me is right. And Blythe asks, who knew he was so into nerd stuff? Young Me asks, who knew he owned a pair of tights and a lute? Blythe comes around and thinks, hey, this is actually kind of cool. She says hi to Josh, who stops playing when he sees Blythe and tries to hide his outfit behind his lute. 
But then Blythe shows off her princess dress and says, Huzzah! <laughs> Which is seriously adorable. I love it. I am pulling for these kids. I am pulling for it. You go, kids. Meanwhile, Sir Hedge is making his way to the Throne of Sticks, the home of Lord Twig. Sir Hedge charges in, but is stopped by two frogs who try to impede Sir Hedge. Sir Hedge will not be deterred, however, and he introduces himself as Sir Hedge and states his mission of freeing the animals from Lord Twig's control. So the frogs just kind of let him in, and Lord Twig says he does not like to be disturbed at this time. Also, the frogs introduce him as Sir Menge, or something to that effect. They get his name wrong. So, here is the biggest bit of anachronism in the entire episode. And coming from me, that's saying a lot, but it'll be obvious from the outset. <clears throat> so, despite the fact that, like, Frogs have these fantasy, like, hoods on. Fantasy slash renaissance. It's really hard. Like, hoods with little squares down them. Just those things. And Sir Hedge is, like, in full kingly regalia. Full, like, you know, fantasy king regalia. But both the frogs and Sir Hedge speak like they're out of a Scorsese movie. Like, they're, they're just talking like they're the good fellas. You know? That's, that's not even remotely close to the spirit of a Ren Fair. Despite the whole thing being more fantasy than Ren. But whatever. So... Vinny sees that Lord Twig is munching down on a Royal Henry and asks for a bite. Lord Twig iterates that this is why he does not like being disturbed at dinner. He shouts, no, I don't even know yous. Knows yous. Something like that. He says yous. That's, that's the effect. Sir Hedge restates his goal of Lord Twig releasing his grip on the animals and all of the Royal Henrys. I cannot stress this enough. This is a huge conspiracy. Someone else should have been solving this. Like, were they hoping that everyone was going to be like, oh, someone else must have gotten them all? Or what if they make more? Like, are these frogs just, like, bullying humans? How? What's their system of, like, getting all of the Royal Henrys. This just doesn't make sense. <laughs> this is weird. So, Lord Twig says he won't do this and that he doesn't understand Russell because Russell is speaking more fantasy than, uh, like, like uh, Lord Twig is. But he interprets what Sir Hedge is saying as a threat. Lord Twig calls on his goons to kick them back to the pet area, which they do, and as they are flying, Russell vows to beat him. Sunil and Vinny are about ready to give up, and Shivers thanks them for the attempt. But 
Sir Hedge says that he made a promise and he intends to keep it. He will dethrone Lord Twig. More like a game of sticks, if you ask me, than a game of thrones. But hey, that actually works both ways. Because it's, it's a game of sticks like wood, but it's also a game of sticks like tofu drumsticks. Like what the Royal Henrys are. Ha <laughs> ha! Meanwhile, Josh asks Blythe if she comes here often. Blythe says that this is her first time, but she's having fun. Josh explains that Renaissance fairs are his guilty pleasure, although Blythe probably can't relate. Blythe says that she knows what it's like to have a secret, and says that his secret is safe with them. I know she's referring to her speaking to animals, but teens are somewhat secretive. It just, because, like, you don't want your parents figuring out things. It's just a, it's just a thing. You want to keep stuff to yourself, I guess. It's, like, not everything, and it certainly varies from person to person. But in general, teens are a tad bit secretive, so they kind of understand Especially when it comes to something like this. Like, like if you're into, like, young adult-ish, like, darker stuff. Oh, there's a book I read on, like, this concept of, like, wanting to keep a secret desperately, but it, like, coming to the surface. Called uh, Missing Abby. It's really great. I love it and I would recommend it. But that's a that's a whole different thing that barely has anything to do with this show. But let's get back to the show. So Josh offers to get some Royal Henrys with the girls and they agree. They then literally prance their way out. It's amazing. I love these kids. So Russell peers through the bushes and sees the throne of sticks and the frogs guarding it. Russell shares his plan with Vinny and Sunil to take out the frogs by surprise and then charge the throne. So they announce their charge and just crash into the frogs, subduing them. Lord Twig is on his throne, chomping down on two royal Henrys, and he says he has a year's worth of them inside the throne. Russell is disgusted with his hoarding of the food, he then asks Vinny if he's hungry, and Vinny's like, yeah, I've said it like 20 times. Russell then charges and then spin dashes into the throne, freeing all of the royal Henrys and causing the throne to erupt. Lord Twig ends up stuck in a tree, and Russell gloats. Lord Twig vows revenge against Sir Menge, but then Russell corrects him to Sir Hedge of Russelton. Shivers with the rest of the animals and the tied-up frogs. A cheer for Sir Hedge of Russelton. Neil commends Sir Hedge because what he did was great but dangerous and Russell faints at the word dangerous. But then the announcer says that the Ren Fair will close in 10 minutes. Russell says that they need to get back to get to Blythe and Vinny pushes a pile of Royal Henrys to go. Like not as exuberant as the pile that Lord Hedge had, just like a lot. So... Meanwhile, Blythe and Josh wave goodbye as they separate. 
Young Mi walks up to Blythe and says that it's taken her all day, but she's finally over her fear of jester hats, and she puts one on. And at this point, I did forget that that was a thing, because, I don't know, the plot happened. And that was, like, a while ago. It's... This whole thing just, like, complicated to me. But whatever. Blythe says that she's glad that they came, not only because she had fun and got inspired by Renfair fashion, but she also got to see Josh in a whole new light, and now she's less nervous around him, which, good for her. I love this. I love it all. Blythe comes to pick up the pets, and she apologizes for having them to be stuck behind the fence, and Russell says that they had an adventure nonetheless. Blythe also apologizes for not finding any Royal Henrys, and Sunil's like, you don't say. Then he says that they're good, and he's bloated and falls over because he ate all of them Royal Henrys. Youngmi asks if he was like that when they left him here, and Sunil rolls Vinny like he's that sumo wrestler from We Love Katamari slash Homer from The Simpsons game, and Shivers waves goodbye to Sir Hedge of Russelton, and Blythe is confused by that name, and the episode ends. So, here's the thing. This is a fun episode. I, I will say this episode is enjoyable. However, it, it is not meant to be put under as much scrutiny as I am doing. It, it just got exhausting after a while, because like, I'm putting it under a microscope where it just really does not belong there. Like, I know like a lot of episodes might be better if they weren't put under this microscope that I'm doing but this one really stands out as like really not being suited for that and some episodes like remain good just because of the fact they're sheerly brilliant but like overall like I would just recommend just watching the episode instead of like thinking about it too hard if you want to enjoy it if you want to be like me and like pick it apart then yeah i guess think about it but really this this one isn't meant to be thought about too much at least not for the first half which again i apologize for that that bit of ranty tangenty stuff but we're not done with the tangents quite yet because we're talking potential and whatever. So this episode features lighthearted interactions between Blythe and Josh. And it brings them closer. And honestly, I love it. I want these kids to get together. Like, especially after this episode. It really does a good job at that. So this is another shot that season four is lining up. They are doing a good job at setting all of this up, which is also another reason I think season four is doing a soft reset because they had three seasons to set up like like more like end points, but they're starting to do end points now because like, I don't know, when the, when the show was first conceived or aired, even like a little bit into season three, it was meant to be more like, oh, you can just like pick up wherever. 
and it's fine. But, like, now it seems like they really want to try to, like, give us, like, a story instead of just, like, a bunch of different stories. And they are doing it. I can see the work that they're doing. It's really good. It's really compelling. They're setting things up really well. And honestly, it's just it's just great. But as you know, slight slight spoilers, I guess. The show ended up getting canceled after the fourth season and the fourth season is where they're really just starting to go and like be great with it be like tell the tell tell a story through like a season like i mean i guess like season three and season two kind of had that with like the pet fashion expo and the pet fest and all the little elements but this is the first season where we've seen, like, distinct elements of known future events, like, at the start. So we just have to judge it based on the quality of the progress made and not necessarily what the story could have been, again, if you want to enjoy the show. If you don't and just want to pick it apart again, then I guess like commenting on how they didn't get to finish some of this stuff is whatever. It's just, I don't know. I prefer to look on the bright side of things. I like this episode, even though it's not meant to be put under a magnifying glass. And I like this show, uh, like, Despite it, like, getting canceled and not finishing its plots and all of its weird, weird stuff. But I guess to each their own. And I do appreciate you listening to me uh, all this time. And I do want to thank you all. Especially after getting through the first half of this episode, where it was me just complaining about semantics. Uh, so that will be it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they're being a little bit anachronistic. And be sure to tune in next time for the episode. The Tiniest Animal Store. I will see you then.